Hello and welcome to Concert Pipeline. I'm Steve Jones. Today on the program, we have Uncle Bart and the Dirty Bastards. Uh, that is right. I had a chance to talk to uh, Silvano uh, Ancelotti uh, from Italy uh, about their band, about, you know, some of their influences, which, you know, there's some overlap between music that they're very passionate about and music that I have uh, a lot of history and passion about, so we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, before we do, uh, let me break open my day. This is uh, this uh, opening and closing of the program is being recorded uh, at the end of what is a very long day for me. Uh, and you might be able to see it in my eyes. You might be able to see it in my face if you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, uh, it's uh, I got some sun, I think, but I didn't completely burn, so that's a good thing. Uh, because even though I sunscreen, you know, I, I burn. I'm Irish. I got Irish. In me. And it's just like, it's either white or red. There's no tan uh, in, in my jeans. Thanks, mom and dad. Uh, but um, uh, but uh, I was out all day. Um, I My day started at 3 a.m. Technically, though, because my day started at 3 a.m., I was awake, you know, every hour from 12 a.m. on. Uh, and uh, I just kept waking up every hour uh, because it's a thing where you uh, think you're going to oversleep and your body doesn't let you fully sleep right. So um, I, uh, I went to sleep at nine o'clock last night to offset that. I haven't even said yet what I did today, uh, but uh, I went out to Half Moon Bay with my buddy John and we went fi uh, fishing for salmon. Uh, which I've never been salmon fishing. And I'm starting to get into fishing a bit. And I've gone out with John a handful of times and he's teaching me a lot about fishing and the different uh, types of fishing. Uh, the, uh, yesterday we went to a fishing store and got some of the things I needed uh, to be able to properly salmon fish. Uh, and uh, he's been you know, super helpful. He's a good mentor. Uh, I think sometimes he grows a little impatient with my um, naivety or my uh lack of knowledge or what have you in terms of in terms of fishing but he uh he does love to teach and uh and that's a cool thing in a in a buddy he's he's mostly patient with me and uh and when he's not it's justifiably so uh the yesterday i went over after we went to the fishing store i went over to his house and he had been telling me practice uh tying knots practice tying knots do it every day for a few minutes and i'm like I, I can't do that, dude. I got kids and I got other things going on and I have to be in a mindset to be working on my, uh, on my fishing knots. Uh, it's an important skill and, uh, and in terms of saving time because we're out kayaking fishing and he doesn't want to have to wait on me. And it's also frustrating for, it's frustrating for both of us really, right? Because it takes me forever. Uh, that's not the fun part. And, uh, and also I'm dragging behind when, uh, um, when I'm focusing on tying knots. So, uh, I went to his house and uh, and while we were getting some fishing stuff together, um, he made me tie knots repeatedly. Uh, one per, uh, particular knot, a palmer, palmer knot, uh, he made me tie it over and over until I could do uh, tie the knot and um, and cut the uh, the line uh, within under thirty seconds repeatedly each time for at least five times. Uh, so uh, I appreciate that. Uh, attention and focus that he helped uh, help me have so uh, so that I'm not making a fool of myself out in the water. Uh, so again, day starts very early. 3 a.m. I get up and even more like a madman, I get on the Peloton for 15 minutes uh, and uh, and do a, a quick ride before I go over to meet my buddy John uh, and uh, and we have to load up the kayaks on his truck. He has. Um, uh, he has Hobie kayaks, uh, so you pet, you're pedaling through this kayak, and not and you don't have to um, paddle with an with an oar while you're trying to fish, which is a big win. And I don't have one of those kayaks; it's pretty pricey, and uh, and above what I can pay for a, a kayak with all that I have cooking right now. So um, I'm sure the time will come where he will insist I get <laughs> I get one, but I'm I'm not there yet. So um, anyway, yeah, that was the plan. Uh, it was John's birthday, by the way. Happy birthday, John! And uh, and so I wanted to go out with him and go and go fishing. He was down to uh, to do it, and so I I said sure. Um, uh, and uh, and so we we did the drive to Half Moon Bay. 
we got uh, the kayaks unloaded and all the gear unloaded and everything down by the water by like 6 a.m. And we were out shortly after that. Uh, and, uh, and it was cold. <laughs> uh, my feet were chilly. Uh, my, my hands were also chilly. And, uh, and, you know, and I don't know, I'll tell you, uh, there are parts of it that I enjoy about fishing. It's, it's great to get out. I always loved getting outdoors and doing stuff outdoors. But with this sort of fishing, um, you're paddling the whole time. And we were out from just after 6 a.m. until uh, just before 1 p.m., I think. So over six hours of paddling, uh, and which ended up being um, just about 10 miles of, uh, of paddling in these, in these kayaks. Nonstop, you're not really stopping at all. You just, you gotta keep the, um, the kayak moving, even if you're, uh, you're moving in, uh, in circles and offset in, a, in, in one area and not, not one particular destination. You gotta keep moving. So, uh, so that's a challenge because you just wanna take a break at some point. You're not getting out of the kayak for over six hours. It's a long time. And even when I did the, uh, the century ride with, with my buddy Joe, uh, 100 miles, like there were a couple of times we got off the bike uh, at, at stops over the course of the seven hours that we were, uh, we were biking. <laughs> and, I mean, we had a couple of pit stops where we at least got to get off and go to the bathroom. And my wetsuit is a one piece. Uh, and, uh, and so I didn't drink anything while I was out there, not many beer, not any water or anything. Luckily, it was overcast. As I mentioned, it was chilly, so um, so that was so I w didn't feel like I needed to keep hydrating too much. Uh, and uh, a couple of hours in, the pain started coming from um, uh, from needing to go to the bathroom. And in in previous times, I uh, that we've gone out uh, fishing on calmer water, I'll say uh, I was able to maneuver where I could get my life vest off and take off part of my wetsuit. Uh, and uh, and be able to get a bottle that a bottle of water that I chug and then use the bottle to relieve myself. Let's say this time not so much. Uh, the water was too choppy. It was nuts. I was not comfortable taking off my life vest in that choppy water in the bay. Uh, I was not comfortable pulling down my my wetsuit to be able to have access to relieve myself. Uh, and. And it just became so painful. I knew there were several hours left until we were done. Uh, in we were slowly working our way back to uh, the shore, and and I was texting with my buddy Joe, and he's like, uh, "Why don't you just go in the wetsuit?" You know, I think that's what people do out there, right? I'm like, I didn't say this, but I was like, I think they do. If you're swimming in the wetsuit, maybe right, you can you can do that sort of thing. But if you're uh, sitting in a kayak, I, I don't know. It, it felt weird. Uh, it felt weird. It felt weird. And so I didn't, I, I for probably an hour, I, I continued to hold it. And to the point where I was like, we're not going back yet. We're not going to get back. It's going to be a couple hours. And then even then, like, I'm going to have to make a mad rush to the ba bathroom. It's going to be, a, you know, rough. I, I'm going to get fucking urinary infection or something by holding it for so many hours. And so I let it flow. I let it flow in the wetsuit. Uh, and, uh, and it felt so good. <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe I'm admitting this right now. But I did, and it felt good. And I do not regret it. Uh, because, and it was warm. It was warm too, uh, because, uh, you, you know, that's how that works. So, uh, you know, I splashed some water and everything. Yeah, I don't know how much good that did, but uh, I splashed water around. And I wasn't planning on, uh, on telling John even uh, about the, the situation that happened until uh, a little bit later. He was like, he was asking me, he's like, at any point today, were you uncomfortable? Uh, you know, kind of with the setup and with any, and he just said, were you uncomfortable? And I, was, and I, you know, said no, but then I took it back and I was like, well, since you asked actually, uh, I was, I had to hold my piss for, uh, for hours and until I didn't, uh, and, and I think he was not stoked on, uh, on me getting in his truck, you know, with that situation, but I brought a change of clothes and change of underwear, uh, and, uh, and ultimately I, uh, I, I stripped the wetsuit off and washed myself in the, in the bay and everything. And it was fine. Okay. That's all I'm going to talk about, about that situation. Other than uh, to say for the trip as a whole, I did not 
walk away with any salmon, neither did John. There was uh, not many salmon that were caught out on the bay. Uh, one that we heard over the radio uh, and maybe no others outside of that. And there were probably 30, 30 kayaks out there. So not a very great ratio. Um, there was also a concerning situation that happened on the bay early in the morning where uh, a boat hit a kayaker. Uh, and I don't know what exactly came of it, how that, if that person was okay. It was a mess. The kayakers stuff ended up all over you know, all over the place we saw and stuff. And we saw the, the boat taking the kayaker uh, back towards shore as uh, paramedics were on the shore. So fingers crossed, everything is okay with that. And the, that the kayaker is okay, but there's some asshole boaters who just do not pay attention and go too fast out on the bay and they just need to slow the hell down and, uh, and realize that they're not the only ones on the water. Uh, so that was unfortunate. Um, but the uh, the the evening the day in the bay though ended with a um, a good lunch uh, where we sat on a patio and uh, and had a good meal. Um, I had a, um, a French dip au jus with fries and uh, and John had some calamari and fries. So it was solid. We worked our way back. Cleanup was really easy when we got back because uh, we didn't have any fish to clean or anything. Uh, and overall an okay day, but I am purely exhausted. I had to take a nap, a short nap before I could end the day. Uh, and, uh, and I'm on borrowed time right now, but, uh, but I made it. So that's, that's the story. That's the moral of the story. All right. Uh, uh, that's my story leading into our guest. Again, this is Uncle Bard and the Dirty Bastards. I had a chance to uh, talk to Silvano. He was a lot of fun. Uh, let's get into it. Yes, uh, Silvano, right? That's me, yeah. Yeah, uh, how's your day going so far? Uh, it's quite, quite nice. We are actually, today I'm working in another festival as a, uh, you know, production. So I'm helping setting up things and stage and stuff, so. Oh, Not okay. Bad. Nice, nice. Do you do that, do you do that a lot? Uh, when, when we're not away with the band, uh, I do this quite a lot. Especially in this summer, since everybody on, is on tour, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of festivals for sure. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, cool. Thanks for taking the time. Um, yeah, I uh, I want to start kind of at the beginning. Like, what what music did you listen to as a kid? What was on in your household? Um, well, I started like with punk rock, with hard rock, mostly. You know, honestly, mostly from the U.S. You know. Um, I'm 42, so I started like with Guns N' Roses, that kind of music, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I st still bring my Motorhead T-shirt everywhere. Of course, of course. Uh, I yeah. saw GNR last year, actually, and uh, they—I mean—they still put on a good show. His voice isn't what it, you know, used to be, but uh, uh, but it was a great show. And they brought Dave Grohl out for the encore. Uh, uh, which is cool because uh, the Foo Fighters were playing playing also that uh, the festival here, right. and uh, and it was a pretty you know uh, amazing right. moment you know so yeah I guess so. Yeah. Uh, did you did you even go this year to see them? No, uh, no, no, I didn't get to see them this year. But uh, I saw them last year, and I saw them years ago on the Chinese Democracy tour also. But I mean that wasn't the full. Uh, band with Slash or anything along those lines and that was the time when Axel was like doing the thing like maybe I'll show up her shows and uh, you know came like two hours late it was like yeah I think 12 30 before they came on from three in the morning like you know I'm like yeah uh, I'm exhausted waiting but you gotta wait you know <laughs> yeah uh, yeah they, I do remember that yeah yeah so that's that's cool so your parents were you know kind of had that going were they musically influencing to you at all uh well uh as i told you we started that way I still we bring that kind of rock show kick when we play live you know even if we play irish music or something in between but we still try to look like a rock band you know when you play live yeah yeah for sure um, and so did you have uh, bands growing up, you know, in like high school that you were in and, and that sort of thing? Uh, yeah, well, mostly all the, all the guys in the band, um, they started with some kind of punk rock or heavy metal band. Actually, 
couple of guys in the band at a, this trash metal band that used to tour Europe quite a lot. Like the banjo player started in a trash <laughs> metal band. Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah. awesome. That's yeah, awesome, yeah, yeah. Right? It's a little bit of a transition to from that to a banjo, I guess, right? So, actually, you know the the picking, uh-huh. yeah, this isn't the same idea, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really cool. Uh, and uh, so, uh, I mean, and I know you're kind of have influences from like Dropkick Murphys and Flogging Molly and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. I'm I'm a big big fan of Flogging Molly as as well. Do, do you remember uh, first time seeing them live? Well, I can tell you that. Um, I think it was, I don't know, 15 years ago or something like that. And we, I mean, I always even love like Irish punk, even Irish vibes. You know, we used to travel to Ireland a lot. And then we went to see Floggy Molly and I barely knew the band. And I went to the club and it was like the biggest mess yeah. I've ever seen, you know, people dancing like crazy. And we say, wow. This is good, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. This is this is good fun, you know. Pe- bring people together. We want to do that, and we try to do that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Really, I think we started the band after seeing in a very short time, Dropkick Murphys and Floggy Molly. I was drunk in Lullaby tour, so yeah, was cool. back in the days, and yeah, we said let's try. Yeah, for sure. I, I've seen them so many times over the years and interviewed them a number of times and everything. And uh, I mean, uh, one I remember one time I interviewed them down in San Diego uh, and Dave King told me, he's like, uh, you know, a wise man once told me, uh, play every show like it's your last. And that man was Angus Young, you know? <laughs> uh, and and they never put on a bad show, you know? It's, it's amazing. It's just a incredible this freeing vibe of their music and i see yeah. a lot of that in in what you guys do as well so it's uh, uh it's really cool good thank you but you know we we had few shows together with floggy molly in the end um i know you played with, with dropkick i didn't know you had played with uh, Floggy molly too how, how are those shows very very nice we got uh we got this incredible show we've been really really lucky i don't even how but the very first show Drop Dropkick Murphys and Floggy Maldi did together in Europe yeah. was in Milan and we were the opener. And yeah. I mean the, it was a massive crowd and everybody was very happy. But then even better the day after we had a show in a small small venue next to the sea only with Floggy Maldi and we got so drunk together. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome yeah they pull out the guinness and you know of course right yeah. so yeah. yeah yeah no that, that's a that's really cool was that like four years ago maybe or so uh i know they toured together I, I think i saw them on that when they were touring together and i it was like four or five years ago right yeah they they randomly did the show together because mm-hmm. the you know the routine put them on the same day in milan and so uh-huh. the two Organizer said, well, we should do them together instead of like fighting for, you know, the crowd. And it seems that's how it started. Yeah. yeah. Hey, worked, worked out well for you, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so tell me about uh, 2007s when you uh, formed uh, Uncle Bard and the, uh, the Dirty Bastards, right? Tell me about how the band came together. What was the dynamic like at the beginning? Um, yeah. I mean, we, it was, it really started as a prank since we were not very used to play, you know, folk instruments. We were all a bit like punk rockers, metalhead, and that's it. And then we, we decided, we, we had a reason to play a show together, all the guys in our area, putting bands together, you know. And so we decided, let's try to do something with Irish punk since we really love the culture, we really love the sound. And on the first show, we were like 16 people playing. <laughs> yeah, and it was, yeah. And I'm sure it was horrible. Yeah. Oh, almost as many people in the band as were in the venue sort of thing, right? You know? No, 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 it was 16 in, in the band. Oh, 16 in the band. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow, okay. 
that's a lot that's a lot going on on stage it's like polyphonic yeah. spree almost you know so <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know we, we just wanted to try something and then uh we really some some of us uh went well together and we are basically good friends from the same town and we decided to carry on and it took a, quite a while to be decent i guess uh and so it was our side project and then it turned into the main project for everybody in like two weeks <laughs> and yeah so, so it was great yeah that's that's very cool and so um so during during the pandemic more recently right you had to kind of change the vibe a little bit to meet the you know what was going on i mean well i guess let's start with um, the album, the, uh, the, uh, the men behind the, uh, the glass, right. That was mm -hmm. recorded right, right before a couple months before you, re uh, the pandemic, you released it. Um, and then, yeah. you know, and then you're not able to play shows behind that. What was that like for you? Yeah. Uh, we put, we put like big effort on that album. Uh, we tried to step a little bit over just a simple Irish punk into something more like folkish and we, we put much effort into that and then it was very very bad that we had no chance to play it live um even there's the first video we released which was back on your feet and we recorded that video in my garage like hiding because it was like full lockdown so people were not able to get out of their houses so. <laughs> yeah you had to be sneaky about it huh yeah 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 the, i mean we we put like of effort we were quite proud of that album and then there was no chance to play live but uh we've been basically waiting instead of like trying to do alternative things you know live streaming or something like that we just did one uh and then we've been waiting until the things are coming back together and then we're still around and touring it so yeah seems like just uh old memory this pandemic yeah, we're, we're past it now it's it's over right so <laughs> yeah yeah hopefully yeah yeah i know i know but you, so you did some acoustic shows though i mean how did you prepare for those uh at home by ourselves yeah. uh, i mean we we really like to see people dancing on the at the shows and you know enjoy things so it was kind of, it was not our kind of uh feel um, so we just did one acoustic recording and that's it but we thought it was better to wait to have the full show and keep the proper energy to, to the live shows yeah yeah and so tell me about the like how you guys uh went from uh from the albums that you created to kind of transitioning that to the live show like do you when you record do you kind of think about the live dynamic and how this will play out in front of an audience um I think you don't know you're thinking about the songs uh, in their live version while you, while you write them and you record it. But in the end, as a background, you always think how people can enjoy the music live. You know, if you decide to put a stop just to make people like jumping or, you know, clapping their hands, it's probably, you don't even realize you're doing it, but that's how you you think of writing the songs, basically. Uh, I'm not sure about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you're putting into a good question. But yeah, I think we mostly, first we always write a song with the acoustic guitar and we put like words together and thing. So yeah, when we put drums and electric guitar and stuff, we, we think quite a lot of, the way they could make people like enjoy the show live. Yeah. Um, so tell me about uh, signing to Angel Air Records. What was that uh, like for you? Was that pretty exciting? Uh, yeah, because it was a very lucky random thing happening because we were doing this show in France. Um, and one of the guys were even home because of the COVID. And so we did yeah. the show. In this, in this small festival. And then the day after we got this email from one of the guys from Angelair. And he said, guys, I saw you yesterday. Why don't we work together? And it was like, wow, like in the movies. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. And so these things started, and then uh, we're starting right now. But it, it looks like it's working quite well. I mean, if I'm in touch with you, it's, it's working. We have a, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because we've always been doing things like DIY, basically. Uh, yeah. And we're already happy with that. I mean, we, we used to tour Europe, we used to get around, and it was quite good enough. But then, if there is someone that can help us, why not? Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. And so they're supportive of the direction you want to take the band and everything, right? Like, moving forward. Yeah. 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 Like, where are you from? Uh, I'm from California uh, in the United States. Yeah. All right. California. Like, yeah. We never reach anybody in California thing before. So it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good. I mean, uh, and you, uh, do you have some dates in the United States? I thought uh, that you might be coming out here. Um, we, Maybe not this far. We, we came two years ago uh, oh, okay. for, a, for a festival um, in Ohio. And then... Mm -hmm. We were supposed to come back like two years after, but then pandemic in the middle. So we're trying to arrange for probably the next year. If we have a, if the promotion works in the US, maybe we can even tour, tour a bit. It will be, it will be great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so another thing that came out of lockdown, I saw a video that you did, uh, uh, the song 500 Miles. Uh, tell, me, tell me how that, that came about. <laughs> well, you know, pandemic was very, very boring. <laughs> yes, I do know. <laughs> I was there too. <laughs> but there's this other Italian band. Uh, they are good friends. They call the Rumpels. And so they decided to put together these songs with some guests from different bands. And then they asked me to join. And I said, all right, let's do that. And let's do it like punk rock, you know, with yeah. you know, big guitars, jumps mm -hmm. in my room. And... And it was anyway fun. I mean, we we didn't really met because it was like all virtual and yeah, yeah. But, but it's fun. And then I like the song, the original one. Yeah, yeah. I, I interviewed the Proclaimers uh, years ago, you know, a couple of times on their tour bus and they were in town. And, and it's, I mean, you know, the, the twins, I mean, they had this interesting dynamic that I remember. Like when, when one was responding to a question, you know, the other would have their head down and just like be quiet and thinking. And then the other kind of the same thing, you know, uh, it was it was really an interesting uh, yeah. style of, you know, re replying to questions in an interview, you know, kind of having a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy way. Yeah. 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 But they were pretty cool getting put on a good show. So, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was good times. Uh, and uh, so I saw a picture. Do you guys have a beer uh, for your band? <laughs> Mm. Uh, as a as a promotion for for one of the shows um, we made this we just teamed up with this small brewery from our area and then so we took three three titles from three songs from the yeah. man behind the glass and then we made the beers and so we ended up drinking more than the, where the ones we were selling the yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. We need to make sure this is good. This is this represents the band, right? We need to make sure this represents the band. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I can get behind that. Yeah. yeah. Did, did was it here good? Did it? Yeah. Well, okay. it was very good, of course. <laughs> yeah. But then uh, we even grabbed this other friend of us, which is a tattoo artist, and he he made these custom labels for us. Uh, so basically, if you put together like punk rock music beer and tattoos that's the whole universe we like is like complete you know that sums you up in a nutshell right so <laughs> <laughs> uh, you should keep the, the beer going for sure so that's uh i mean yeah 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 we still we still have some no worries oh good I okay i don't know if we can send them to california <laughs> <laughs> it might be kind of expensive but i'll you know if you need a taste tester i'll help you out okay so <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah right. yeah yeah, so so let's talk about the new album uh, a little bit. It's coming out uh, in August. Uh, the story so far, um, yeah. and uh, and it's a compilation of um, a lot of your best songs on the album. Tell me about the process of, of pulling this together. Yeah, the, um, it started like Angela Music wanted to work with us, uh, and then of course we were just 
of the last album. And since we never had our album distributed, actually in Europe or in US, but people were just writing on the website or buying at the shows. Uh, so the guys at a label said, why don't, don't we make a compilation just to start and to see what could be the, uh, the response from this. Uh, so we just try to, it's not very easy to squeeze like, I don't know, 50 songs in, <laughs> you know, in ten, to express your band with 10, 12 songs. But we basically put together the singles with the, the ones with the videos, the one able to express different moods. You know, we have some like punk rock song, more like traditional ones. So we, we try to find a balance uh, on that one. And then we put a new, a traditional, uh, new recorded. Uh, and yeah, uh, so, so it is, I mean, it would be a good way to introduce the band. We are already writing new songs. But if the collaboration with Angular Music works, then we're gonna even release uh, uh, the new album, hopefully. Uh, sure. And then, yeah. Well, if you start knowing the band with, the, with our best song, the new album, it would be a terrible band because it's not right. gonna start with the best songs. But I don't know. Yeah. Let, yeah. Let's see. Well, you have yeah. you have a new song on the album too, uh, Molly McGuire's, right? So, like, uh, did was that a song that you had uh, already ready, or did you make that you know with the intention of you know adding it to the album? Uh, that one is a, a traditional Irish song. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, Molly McGuire's, and so. At the very beginning of the of the band, we started like playing a lot of traditionals, uh, you know, the very very common traditional like the Irish Rover things like that. Uh, so since we had a new album to put to put out, and we wanted to stay on a on a traditional song, but something like less common, so we went to Molly Maguire, um, uh, and that's it. We just recorded for the for the occasion. We didn't add, edit ready before. So we just took one day at a studio and we made it uh, with a very yeah. live vibe. You know, we, we made it as we, as we play together in the rehearsal room. And there you go. Yeah. And so do you, have, do you have other songs that you're kind of gearing up for a new album? Like, are you, are you writing and recording right now? Uh, we are uh, like millions ideas all over the hard disks <laughs> right now. <laughs> Uh, because we actually in the two years of pandemic, since we don't experience anything, I mean, there's nothing to talk about. Yeah. You know, so we wanted to go back on tour to live life. You got to have some life there. To, you had to have, yeah, to make a song. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, we could write like about cliches about, I don't know, drinking beer at the pub, but it's not what we <laughs> were trying to head to. We we're trying to talk about us. So um, it would take maybe one year or something like that to put all the ideas together. But we have this new compilation out. And then at the end of the year, we're going to come up with a live album. Uh, oh, okay. Engineers. And then maybe it would be time for a new album. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, that's that's cool. Um, mm -hmm. Have um, I'm curious. Have you have you received any advice that, uh, from from many bands that you really ex uh, respect that that has helped you kind of pave the path that you're you're on or has kind of stuck with you? Mm. That's a tough one. I know. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, we got. Well, when we've been with Dropkick Murphys and, um, and Floggy Molly, they were both very, very happy. And then they were quite proud of, of like an Italian band who was paying a tribute to, to the Irish music. You know, it was quite, uh, it was, it was quite like, they were even surprised, like, why you're into that? But then they were just like happy with that. And then every time we meet them on tour, they're always like very, uh, good with us, like I was going to band, like like we're friends, but of course we're not even 
10 times smaller than, mm. than those bands, but it's good that they, in some way you're getting their friendship area, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, what, if like Ken from Dropkick Murphy say, hey, to you when he saw you around, it's just already a kind of miracle, at least. <laughs> yeah. To, you know, so it's something that we, we keep with us and then it motivates us to, to do better and, and to continue. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and so kind of looking, looking back, you're on your uh, 15th anniversary tour right now. What, is it, what does it mean to you to kind of, that this band has lasted for, for 15 years? I mean, that's a, that's a pretty monumental milestone. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I have to say, um, we didn't expect anything from this band. And then we really bring with us many amazing experiences as a first as a friend together because you know you have to go through many many different like situation to face like massive travels and like great uh, i mean great results every now and then but big big dramas as well you know you have to fix things all the time yeah like uh, i don't know putting songs together trying to collaborate but even fix the van together when you're stuck on the road you know yeah uh, and so in the end i think for for the six of us it's just a ride of of our lives because we, we've been spending i don't say every weekend but most of our weekends together uh in some random <laughs> country you know so it's like we're now we're used to do that, and uh, these two pandemics years were like kind of killing us, you know. Uh, and then we went back on the road. It was like a big relief. Like, okay, now we can do what we're, what we really like to. And so, I think I think we really it really helped us being friends, uh, or even more as every band says, but just because it's true, being brothers, because, you know, you have to face a family condition most of the times, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So I don't think, I don't see me in any other band anyway right now. Uh, you know, we, you even um, forge your way of playing, being related to the other member of the band so sure you, you, you get their you get their style and you're able to work together in a, in a in a way that makes sense and also you know you might have some petty arguments or something right but remember okay, that you're brothers and uh you know you're in it for the long haul right yeah and then even i mean you i mean you're used to know big bands very famous band but even for bands like that which are small but we we're together all the time. So we, we grow up a relation, we grow up a big friendship. I mean, it's, even if we're not like eating like the massive stages of the huge bands, we're anyway making a big friendship that keeps us together and it's something good for my life. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and that's, and that's good. And being able to adapt to the, you know, the different locations too, play, play stages of different sizes. I mean, I'll take it back to Flogging Molly again because that's like a commonality here, but uh, but I've seen Flog and Molly play, play, you know, 200 people, you know, clubs. And then also I've seen them open for Green Day at ATT Park where the Giants, the San Francisco Giants play, but, you know, playing 50,000 people, right? And yeah. they still ad adhere to that same advice that Dave, they've got, you know, no matter where they're playing, uh, they play this show that's large, like it's, you know, like it's the last show that they'll ever, ever do, right? And uh and that's kind of a, a good way to go in. And, and you're, you know, you're, you're band. I mean, you get the, the crowd going. You have this great live environment. You know, I've never, mm -hmm. I haven't obviously haven't had a chance to see you live myself. But, but from what I've seen in the videos, I mean, you have that energy, which is great. Yeah, well, I think this kind of music is magic. I mean, if you put Dave King alone, playing guitar and singing you a song, it's going to work anyway. Yeah. Oh, he always comes out, too, and does one song by himself. And it's just like it's still powerful right and it's you know it commands that uh, the respect of the audience it's great 
Yeah, so the great thing with this music, it doesn't need like big gear or like big lights or big stage. It, it's very simple and it gets straight to the people. So uh, one amp or massive stage, but it doesn't make a big difference. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. What, what do you like to do on tour? Uh, I mean, when you have time, what is, uh, what do you guys do for fun? Uh, well, now we got this new thing going. We bring skateboards and <laughs> and we manage to break legs. But I mean, we are mostly in our forties. It's um, a good time so, to start skateboarding, by the way. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm not far. Yeah. I'm a couple years behind you, but not mine. I know. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. yeah I don't know if I trust like, myself on a skateboard anymore. Yeah, it's like we put this weird tag, like old folks skate through. Uh, yeah. So. Oh. Hold on a minute. Yeah. And so, yeah, we. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so we. Sorry. Um, You're good. So we. By now we are skateboarding, but we're gonna get off like in two months, I guess. Well, once we realize it's very dangerous, and then um, yeah, we we try to stay stay in good shape, decent shape. So uh, we we try to eat well until we are reach the show. Then we drink every. No, and then we read a lot on the on the van. Uh, that's it. It's very it's very simple. But mostly by now, yeah. mostly skateboard. Yeah. Well, be be safe with it, okay? Because you know we're, we're getting older, and uh, <laughs> it's and if you're breaking bones, that's not you know not fun on stage unless you have like the Dave Grohl throne, you know, to <laughs> to sit on, you know. But uh, yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. We just have to sit in a random chair, which is not that good. Yeah. I, I know that's not very punk rock, right? So, exactly, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, Silvano, I want to thank you for taking the time today. I appreciate it. Uh, and um, yeah, I wish you luck with the, the new music that you're making, the 15th anniversary tour, and um, hopefully getting out to the States. It'd be great to see you guys uh, live and even cooler if you guys were playing with Guagamalia, you know, yeah. mutual favorite, favorite of ours. So, that would yeah. that'd be awesome. Cool. Thank you to you. Yeah. I mean, it's great for, for us to reach people like you in the US. So hopefully uh, we're going to meet in California, maybe. That was my interview with Silvano from Uncle Bard and the Dirty Bastards here in Concert Pipeline. And that takes us to the final segment on the program, the music news. All right, we got a couple of stories uh, for the music news today. Uh, the first being that a, a couple of surprises actually um, uh, in concerts, and uh, Paul Simon was the uh, the star of one of the surprises. Uh, he was at the Newport Newport Folk Festival during a tribute set, and uh, he appeared on stage for Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats All Star Set dedicated to his music. Uh, so. Uh, he doesn't do many public performances anymore. Um, he showed up unannounced at the end of a tribute set to his music. Uh, and he had announced his uh, retirement from touring in 2018, and since then has only sporadically performed in public. Uh, his last performance was in April at another tribute to himself in Los Angeles. So that's the key. You just got to have a Paul Simon tribute, and he will show up. All right, I know what to do now to get Paul Simon to uh, to, uh, to come to a concert pipeline concert. I like it. Um, uh, and even the fact that Rateliff and the Knights, uh, sweats were closing the evening by paying tribute to Simon hadn't been, uh, fully announced until they took the stage Saturday evening. His four song set Saturday at Newport Folks Festival was one of the very few, uh, and longest performances of Simon's in the two plus years since the pandemic began. Um, and he kicked off his performance with Graceland before, seating the microphone to Rhiannon Giddens for a special updated edition of American Tune. 
after then leading the, leading the crowd through a feel-good finale of The Boxer with Douglas uh, Lucius Rateliff and Luke Nelson, whom he introduced as an old family friend. Simon took his bows and then closed the evening for, uh, for good by performing The Sound of Silence by himself. By himself. Uh, what a cool, cool set. Uh, and he's, uh, he said, what a joy working with Nathaniel and his incredible band. The atmosphere at the festival was nothing short of wonderful. Uh, and Rateliff added, it's hard to put into words the joy we felt uh, bringing the great American songwriter Paul Simon in the Newport folk uh, stage. Thank you, Paul, for your songs, your voice, and your presence. Um, pretty cool stuff. Um, let's talk about another, uh, a couple other surprise appearances. First off, Ed Sheeran. He made a surprise appearance with Snow Patrol at the Latitude uh, uh, 22, 2022 Festival. Uh, he performed Bad Habits and Just Say Yes with the band who were closing the festival's main stage. Um, and uh, he, the Northern Irish uh, Scottish band, which features Sheeran's longtime co-writer, Johnny McDade, closed the Suff Suffolk Festival with a 14 track performance on the main stage. Um, uh, towards the end of their main set, Snow Patrol surprised the crowd by bringing out Sheeran to play a joint rendition of his hit uh, single, Bad Habits. Um, and uh, the singer-songwriter then re uh, returned to assist on the final track, Just Say Yes. There's fans shot footage of, uh, of that um, and official images which you can find online. Uh, people were probably really excited to see Ed Sheeran. Uh, another surprise appearance is uh, one that was not fully uh, um, appreciated, I think, by probably some fans, and that is Kanye West. He appeared at Rolling Loud after canceling his headline slot. Uh, so, um, uh, and he was somewhere else at the, the festival when he was supposed to perform his headline slot. So, uh, he, uh, Kid Cootie replaced Kanye West on the bill at the Miami event when West, who is now officially known as Ye, decided that he would no longer be performing. It marked the Donda Star's second festival cancellation of 2022 following Coachella. Despite this, he turned up at the event to join uh, Lil Durk uh, for their recent Cardi B collaboration, Holy Shit. They also performed Father Stretch My Hands Part One. Uh, and um, meanwhile, Kid Cootie, who replaced West for his headline slot, walked off during his headline set at Rolling Loud after crowd members repeatedly threw items on the stage. Oh my gosh, what a mess. Uh, West and Cootie were previously close friends and collaborators, but have had a tumultuous relationship since the mid-2010s. They fell out again earlier this year, supposedly due to Cootie's friendship with Pete Davidson, the current partner of West's ex-wife, Kim Kardashian. Okay, we're getting into a lot of drama here that we don't need to talk about. But uh, needless to say, uh, weird that Kanye West would show up at a festival that he had canceled a performance at, uh, you know, and, uh, um, and fans have been excited to see him, I'm sure. But uh, he just showed up at someone else's set. Interesting. Um, another cancellation, uh, though this one, uh, not one that we can fault, is uh, Eddie Vedder. Pearl Jam canceled their third consecutive show due to Eddie Vedder's vocal issues. Ed is regretfully still without a voice and unable to perform. Uh, uh, the band uh, scrapped a scheduled performance in uh, Vienna after Vedder's throat was damaged by the heat, dust, and smoke from the fires at Lollapalooza Paris last uh, Sunday. He's seen doctors and had treatment, but as of yet, his vocal cords have not recovered. Pearl Jam wrote in a statement at the time. Uh, this is brutal news and horrible timing for everyone involved. And yeah, Pearl Jam, remember, had uh, had to cancel shows a couple months back um, in in the Bay Area. Um, they well, they uh, they may, were able to make the Bay Area, the Oakland date, uh, with the help of um, a band that. Uh, the, called the Alive. The drummer from the Alive actually came out and, uh, and played some shows because there, they had there was some COVID going on in Pearl Jam, so they're having a rough go of it right now, uh, and uh, and hopefully they'll be able to pull out some shows soon when Eddie Vedder can get his voice back. Um, okay, last story of the day is uh, about Tom Morello. He tackled. Uh, he, uh, he was tackled by security after a fan crashed the stage at Rage Against the Machine sh uh, show, um, uh, and that was in Toronto. Um, the band were performing at the 
uh, arena in, on, uh, in the Ontario capital as part of their public service announcement, North American Tour, which began on July 9th. Um, and prior to this run of, gig of gigs, Rage hadn't played live since 2011. Uh, as fan uh, shot footage shows, one fan managed to make it up on stage via a set of steps uh, during closing track, killing in the name. A security guard was quick to respond and ran toward the man in an attempt to remove him. The stage crasher, however, fell into the pit as Morello was accidentally taken down um, uh, by the security card. Hold up, hold up, Zach DeLaRoche uh, repeatedly sat uh, down the mic, uh, bringing the performance to a halt. Morello eventually managed to get himself back up on the stage and was met with cheers and applause from the crowd. Don't try that shit, DeLaRoche announced. We're cool, we love y'all, but don't do that. Rage Against the Machine then restarted Killing in the Name from the Top. And there's, of course, video online, just like there's for everything. So that is it. That is the music news for today. I'm going to try and sleep, I think, uh, soon. Uh, and, uh, and But hopefully you'll tune in next week for our program because we have a doozy. We have a really freaking great interview next week that I'm super stoked to share uh, with you. And that is uh, Justin Warfield from She Wants Revenge. Uh, I had a chance to talk to Justin for like an hour. We had a great long chat um, and uh, we went deep in terms of what led to uh, She Wants Revenge uh, reuni uh, reuniting after a uh, uh, hiatus or retirement, I guess you could say of sorts that happened um, in 2020. Uh, we went all over the place and, and he had so many great stories to share, which I won't spoil right now. So you got to tune in next time for, for that one. So that is our show for today. Thank you for tuning in. Like, subscribe, tell your friends, all the fun stuff, uh, uh, comment, do all of that, right? Um, appreciate you tuning in. For all of us here at Concert Pipeline, I'm Steve Jones. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>